This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Are you saying she's too loud? Yeah, I am. I'm shouting. Nothing to do with your 100 decibel voice, Sophie. <laughs> Nothing at all. <laughs> Right, enough of that. Shall we start the show? Let's do it. Hello and welcome to The Great Indoors. The podcast which reveals everything you ever needed to know about interiors and explains how to make it all really work for you in your home. I'm Kate Watson-Smythe. And I'm Sophie Robinson. And here's a little reminder that you can sign up to be a member of The Great Indoors Insiders. You get to support the podcast, you can enjoy ad-free listening and you also get bonus content as well as first dibs on any ticketed events. So we're even taking The Great Indoors to Italy later this year and we are busily planning some live get-togethers here in the UK too. So loads to look forward to. Just visit thegreatindoorspodcast.com that's thegreatindoorspodcast.com to subscribe and become a friend of the podcast. Now today, (laughs) I'm quite excited for today's episode. Are you excited at your typos in this script? Because I'm glad it's your life. (laughs) (laughs) I can't even read that. Scripts, really, I know what I'm going to say. Because today we are going to be talking all things pink. And is it a friend or a foe of interior design? Now, this was actually sparked by a story I read on Design, the digital interiors magazine, which said that the upcoming Barbie movie, which is out on the 21st of July, had basically used up all the pink paint in the world. And I've just recently been interviewed by the press on the very huge phenomena that is Barbiecore, which has had over 228 million views on TikTok. Go on then, (laughs) sell it to me. Yeah, well, I'm guessing, Kate, that you haven't put hashtag Barbiecore into your uh, search engines, (laughs) so you probably have got it. (laughs) How well you know me. (laughs) So I'm guessing you don't know what this is about, but I think the, the, the film has been marketed heavily, hasn't it, on social media? It's the most heavily marketed film I think I've ever seen in my entire know, life. you can't even believe it isn't out yet. When we were planning this episode, you were like, oh, it's old news, it's been out. And I'm like, no, the film hasn't <laughs> even come out yet. Still not out. <laughs> but I think it's an interesting phenomena that it hasn't even come out yet. And yet it's gone so viral already. And of course, a lot of it is in fashion and beauty, you know, that real Barbie bright almost neon pink we're seeing in fashion but also it's massive in interiors as well and if you pop barbiecore into instagram or your tiktok or whatever you will see loads and loads of inspiration for very 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 pink interiors i mean we're not doing the blush there's no setting plaster going on here this is a very sugary sugary pinks from pastels through to that very bright neon that said i think it's become one of those things where there's a lot of excuse you know we we talk about sort of clickbait where newspapers will use a word to try and get you to read a story i'm seeing a lot of press releases in my inbox which go oh barbie core and you click on them because i do try and read my inbox <laughs> unlike a certain person but that's a different story i click on these press releases and actually i had one yesterday which which sold itself as barbie core and i thought oh research for the podcast and actually it was exactly that plaster, plaster pink and terracotta so 
I think it's become or is becoming a sort of clickbaity phrase for, oh, let's get everyone in, but actually we're not talking about neon. We're going to just talk about pink in general. And we're going to jump on that clickbaiting uh, bandwagon, listeners, because we will be talking about the Barbie pinks, but I think we're also going to devote this whole episode to all things pink. So if you're about to tune off because you hate neon pink, bear with us, because we're going to talk about how you can use pink in interiors. But kick us off, Kate, because I thought this was quite fascinating, this Dezine article. What was that about? So it was just, and I'm just going to read from the top of Dezine, Dezine.com. The sets of the upcoming Barbie movie required such vast amounts of pink paint that they took up one company's entire global supply, which is just extraordinary. So the fluorescent sets were made entirely from scratch at the Warner Brothers studio, all the way down to the sky, which was hand-painted, not CGI. And the design director said that, you know, we were literally creating Barbie land and everything needed to be tactile. So they had to supply, they had to source a bottomless supply of pink paint for road signs and lampposts. And I mean, just extraordinary. They wanted everything to be really bright and too much. And so the world effectively ran out of paint for a period of time. (laughs) I even read something that Dulux has had a run on there bright pink paint as well so this is the thing it's happening expect pink paint shortages coming to your diy store anytime soon well we did allude to this didn't we i think it was probably last year now where mylands brought out their color of the year which was a what they called barbie pink and it was from their range of film television and theater so it's ftt there's all those ranges so regular listeners might remember i used something from that range the gold in the office in my old house so they've got ftt zero zero and that is their Barbie pink and we talked about it briefly last year and in that classic way we went nah that'll never be a thing well there we are it's a thing (laughs) it is a thing and I thought it'd be really interesting to dig around why this is something that is so much bigger than even the movie itself and interestingly why you know it's interesting what you say about the set builders wanting to create this pink on pink like the lampposts the furniture the car everything's in pink it's like pink drenching isn't it I'm seeing lots of Instagram accounts that have taken this approach to saturated pink decorating doing really well so for example there's an account called Kate Rose Morgan She's got 430,000 Instagram followers that she's grown from. I think she's just done over 700 posts. Wow. So very quickly, you know, this is a moment. And also another account that I followed for a little longer, The Colourful Nest, is another Instagrammer who has painted their, their, there's pink kitchen, pink bedroom. I mean, it's going for the full and they share a lot as well about the trials and tribulations of trying to get their husband on board with it. We'll talk about that later in this episode. <laughs> and, you know, do go and have a look at these Instagram feeds because it's they do pink this pink look really well. Because my feeling is to go full barbiecore, it is a full throttle approach to decorating. It's not just, oh, I'm going to buy a pink toaster and a pink throw and a pink bath mat. And that's it. I've bought barbecue to my home. It is, you know, the ceiling, the kitchen cabinets, their paint. I mean, I think it was um, Kate Rose Morgan's just done a summer patio makeover and she's painted her patio, her grey patio slabs Barbie pink. Oof. I mean, it's... <laughs> from this Kate and I think this is why it's so popular it's pure joy man it's something very irreverent fun I think the thing is is pink's just been seen as such a like 
almost like a bad taste colour. It's the colour of six-year-old girls' bedrooms. Like, it's not cool. And I think what I've, I'm have i seeing, and I think, again, the pandemic has had something to do with this, loads of people sticking two fingers up to the fashionistas and going, do you know what? I love pink. I've loved it ever since I had a Barbie, age six. And uh, I'm going to live my best Barbie life. And there's a load of people following these accounts just going, yeah, you go, girl. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, I mean, I think this comes back to sort of what, what kind of colours you like. I am fully here for the break the rules, have fun, do what brings you joy, irreverent, all of that. Paint your garden bright pink, paint your ceiling, paint all the things you're not supposed to paint. I just can't do it in that colour. <laughs> it's quite a hard colour, I think. It's quite blue. Um, in in before, before all this sort of Barbie madness, we might perhaps have called it more of a sort of magenta shade. And I think that's... That's one of the reasons it doesn't quite work for me. It, it's too hard. It's too harsh. It's too blue. And I, you know, I speak as a big fan of pink and my new house has a lot of pink in it, but it, but it's a different sort of pink. But I mean, I guess this is going to come back to the question is, were, were you a Barbie girl? Yeah. Well, were you? A, well, I wasn't actually a Barbie girl growing up. I was a Cindy. Do you remember Cindy? I do remember Cindy. You were either Barbie or you were Cindy. Oh, no, no. I was Daisy. Who the heck's Daisy? You see, Daisy was made by Mary Quant. (laughs) (laughs) I say no more. (laughs) Oh my God, you're so posh, I can't handle it. I was a Mary Quant plastic doll called Daisy and of course you had to have one. Was she all monochrome? No, she uh, she had a lot of the very signature Daisy things. But no, I can recall one outfit, you'd like this. It was a sort of T-shirt and a pair of like T-shirty long shorts, three-quarter length trousers, and they were red and orange stripes. And she had a daisy in her hair and some high red shoes. She was cool. She sounds extremely cool. Did you have a little Mary Quant black bob? No, she had She had actually hair not dissimilar to... Well, I say not dissimilar. She was blonde, obvs, because weren't they all? But she had big curly hair. I mean, actually, I'm looking at myself in the mirror. <laughs> you were influenced. But she had quite big frizzy hair. Clearly, I've not moved on. <laughs> I think it's really interesting because I think this trend does play into lots of nostalgia I think lots of people who grew up with these dolls I mean I was more Cindy because she had better ponies and I was absolutely obsessed with horses oh right of course and uh, Cindy came I wasn't so interested in the pink Cadillac was more interested in the, the pony in the stables so yeah I was more Cindy but what is interesting that again I researched today is you know it's 60 years this year since the Barbie dream house came to market and it's back on the market it can be yours I think John Lewis is selling it for uh £345.99 or something so you know it's a bit of an investment wow but um it was quite interesting to see the interior design of the original 1960s Barbie house it was very Palm Springs so interesting the dream house isn't saturated pink it isn't pink walls pink floors pink ceilings it's actually got quite a lot of white clean white that sort of palm springs white bit of turquoise quite a lot of lilac pink's best friend obviously and quite a mid-century modern vibe going on yeah the furniture is quite mid-century isn't it i mean again the colors are the colors are a lot but balanced with a lot of white and i think that is a very sort of californian palm springs vibe and i just think it's interesting if you are sort of wanting to buy into this look and i'm not talking to you kate obviously i'm reaching out to uh anybody else is is maybe you don't need to color drench it as as the sort of Instagrammers and the TikTokers are. 
Maybe you can balance it with cleaner whites and pale blues and turquoises and a minty green. There's kind of like ice creamy shades. There's there's an interesting sort of line to that sort of set of colour though, because obviously I'm well, I don't know where Barbie was born, but I'm gonna go with California, America, Southern Hemisphere, and the light is very different. So those bright, hard colours, they do really work under that sort of hard blue sky, bright sun. And I tend to think one of the reasons that Farrow and Ball Little Green, our paint companies here, are are so successful is because they're more muted. They sort of fit into that cooler northern hemisphere light. So I wonder if if there's an element of that weather, and you'll disagree with me, I'm sure, but I can see that those bright colours would pop really well in your Palm Springs LA condo. I wonder, do they work as well under the rainwashed skies of northern England? Perhaps they do. Perhaps they brighten it. But I do think that's where the softer colours work. Yeah, and I, I mean, again, I think this this very much comes down to taste and pink. I think the word pink, and maybe we should dig into that a little bit and the connotations around it. A lot of people leap to this very Barbie, sugary, candy floss, uber feminine colour. And I think that's why it's become so sort of contentious. That's why it's sort of like a lot of people really balk at it. Just the word pink. But you're right. Pink can also include lots of other hues that have more yellows or more browns coming through or indeed more oranges moving towards coral colours that are warmer and arguably easier and softer to live in it depends isn't it I mean it all comes back to that old chestnut how do you want your room to feel and I think the cleaner pinks and I do like a clean pink I do like a little touch of barbie I have to say I'm not going to drench the whole room in it but I you know I have a magenta pink stair runner in my hallway it's practically barbie actually exactly I like a bit of barbie I like a bit of barbie and I think it's because for me that pink it's perky you know it's perky it's joyful it's uplifting it's striking it's making a strong statement and then there's another time for your sludgy blush pinks. I mean, listen, I've just got a pink kitchen, haven't I? So I, that's how on board I am with pink. But it's not a Barbie pink. It's quite a chalky, soft pink in the kitchen. So, yeah, it, it, I suppose it's that old chestnut is finding the right pink for you, isn't it? And different pinks create different kind of vibes. But why do you think it is that pink is considered, like just the word pink gets people's hackles up? It's taken as a very unserious colour, isn't it? It is, isn't it? And I think it's that connotation that, you know, I mean, this is probably a whole sort of in-depth, more in-depth conversation, but I think it's taken as, as, as being girly, being childish, being frothy, not being serious. And yet, you know, you mentioned this to me as a great revelation. I have, of course, written it in in a book, but that, you know, pink started off as a colour for boys and blue was regarded as a more dainty colour, which was more fitting for girls and pink was stronger. I mean, let's not forget, it's a derivative of red and that was regarded as more suitable for boys. Well, you're right. I mean, red's considered the colour of strength, assertiveness even aggression isn't it it's really eye attention you you water that down and you get pink so yeah I can see the I can see the color logic in that so what changed a marketing campaign in the 40s where it was an American shop that just sort of turned it round and said let's let's swap them and everybody went oh okay and ever since then you know because I suppose at that time in the 40s we were beginning marketing and selling and advertising and so you know it just kind of moved out from there and became known as this very 
girly colour. And interestingly, I had a friend who who was determined that her her daughter wouldn't be stereotyped. And I remember her phoning me in, in some distress when her daughter was about three and a half, four, because she had reached for the pink dress and absolutely you know, wouldn't wear anything else. And there was a sort of room full of blues and greens and yellows. And, and this was the one pink thing. And she phoned me up and she said, it's it's hardwired, which is another interesting thing, because I don't know if it is, but, you know, this was a child who was given the full spectrum of colours and yet she wanted the pink. So, you know, I wonder when we're children, is it a friendly colour? Is it a reassuring colour? And, you know, to to come back to the sort of, how it makes you feel. There was a study done in Sweden a few years ago where they painted some of the rooms in this prison in pink and they found that when pe- when the prisoners were kind of fighting and, and arguing and shouting that they'd put them in this pink room and within 15 minutes they'd calm themselves down. So, which leads me to, is pink all about the suppression of women? Because it makes them feel calm. Oh my God, you're going around in circles. I don't know. So we started off with it being being a, a watered-down version of everything that's assertive and powerful and go Barbie with your pink. Yes, girl power to, oh no, actually it makes you feel really chill, chilled out and subdued. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Then therein lies the fascination with pink. <laughs> it's a dichotomy of a colour. And that's a big word I don't use very often. <laughs> so let's I'll try and answer this question that I get asked a lot because I do have a lot of pink in my house as I said I've just had a pink magnet kitchen put in in one of the, and this is their latest colour as well they only just launched it this month so that's how on trend even magnet kitchens are well it shows it's coming right to the mainstream doesn't it which is interesting in that way that I had a piece in one of my books that Kimberly Duran of Swoonworthy wrote about the sort of arc of trends and she talked about it in relation to grey but how it was very much the early adopters came in and the rest of the world was going going, oh, no, grey. And then it creeps up the curve. And it's just at the point where the early adopters have got it, the fashionistas have got it. And that's the peak sort of fashionable moment. And then it comes down the other side where the early adopters and the fashion people move away and the mainstream come on board and go, oh, yes, this is the colour. And that's why trends last a long time, because it's a very gradual take up from the early adopters to the mainstream and down the other side. And I think pink is has been a long time coming. But the fact that Magnet, you know, a high street brand, is now bringing it into its main core collection. It's arrived officially. Well, it's interesting, though, as well, because haven't you also heard the kind of tastemakers, if you like, saying pink's gone? Because there was millennium pink, wasn't there? There was that whole blush thing mm. that kind of peaked around, I don't know, was it 2015, 16 time? Pink and like rose gold, do you remember that? Well, it was the copper and then copper was huge and then then they renamed it, yeah. I thought we'd had our pink moment and yet this Barbie core trend is kind of like pushing it. (laughs) But I think that's the point about, you know, the blush pink and the millennium pink. It takes a long time, you know. we, We talk a lot about whether you should be influenced by trends on this show and one of the things I think people sort of worry about is that it will be a, a, a quick-lived thing. And actually, this this sort of blush pink been around, as you say, 2016. My first book, Mad About the House, was very much that sort of blush pink. Yes, it was, wasn't it? The cover was I pink. would now call it plaster pink. That came out in 2018, so clearly that was planned in 2016, 2017. And yet, that is still a colour that's going, and we're however many years on. So I do think... You know, if you like something, don't worry about it. However, that said, I'm going to throw in, I feel, and you might disagree with me, that this kind of hard neon 
Barbie pink might be more of a fad than a long-term trend. I think the pink might be long-term, but the the varying shades of it might come in and out. This particular shade of magenta, who knows? Oh, to have a glass. Crystal ball. Oh, to have a glass. Yeah. Crystal ball. Crystal ball you want. You don't <laughs> want a glass. An orb. Only I, with I, I see your crystal ball. I'm having an orb. Oh, an orb. <laughs> oh, of course you are. Yeah, I, I wonder. But then I also think, Kate, that this barbecue thing is just another kickback against the big mainstream trends we're seeing all these little micro trends breaking off i mean obviously we talked to matt saberi from pinterest didn't we a few episodes ago about these sort of micro trends so you can have your like big movements and i think pink the big pink umbrella from your blush tones all the way to your bright pinks is this big movement but then you get these little micro trends of which barbiecore is obviously really you know Let's not underestimate what 230 million searches or views on TikTok look like. That's a lot, isn't it? And yeah, it's Instagram a lot of searches. And propelled to have over 400,000 followers on Instagram because they've painted their house these very bright pinks. Like, it's a thing. It's a thing. Even though you're resisting it, I can see you're resisting oh, it. Oh, I'm so resisting. No, I was going to bring you back to your original point, which uh, you've forgotten about and all your excitement which is how do you bring your partner on board? Yeah, it is a question I get asked a lot. And I think it is, unfortunately, because pink has been branded a girl's colour, a lot of men are really uncomfortable with it, including my own. And I have a very metrosexual husband. I think he's very kind of like, he doesn't feel constrained by cultural norms, should we put it that way. But he just doesn't like too much pink in the house. And I've got a little bit of pink, as you know, it's a bit of a red thread throughout my house. We have it everywhere. And then we always said when we do the extension, I promised him no more pink. Now, technically, I have... Is that why you haven't extended? That's why you haven't... This is nonsense. All this, we can't afford it. We can't get building control. That's complete nonsense. You didn't dare extend because then you knew you couldn't have any pink. I see. I got... That's quite an extreme. I saw a loophole. And I jumped through it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and lo and behold, we've got a pink kitchen, haven't we? And he didn't even There notice. you go. Yeah. And I think there are pinks and pinks. I think if I ask for a barbecue pink kitchen, I can't see... I can't see Tom being very happy about that. And as I said, it's a much softer, muddier, more grounded pink. So I think with the guys, it's all about them not feeling that you're really over-feminising their space. And... I actually love to talk to the Kate Rose Morgan because, I mean, she does talk about her uh, husband being a little bit resistant. I mean, her house is really pink as well. But, you know, he's happy that she's happy and, you know, and that's a, there's, there's a secret to a happy marriage right there. Can I just say that's great for Kate Rose Morgan because, you know, I love my husband very much, but he would draw the line at he me would. being so happy. He, he would be, you know, <laughs> yes, I want you to be happy, darling, but not with that colour. Not that happy. <laughs> not that happy. Yeah, can you turn down the happiness a bit? so my advice to people though is always to try and rebrand pink a little bit and the paint companies are really good at doing this as well beige yes mushroom well that is technically a different color hun you know plaster oh this is a plaster color that's always quite a good one i think also with the mad husband because there is actually quite a lot of pink in this new house very much of that sort of plaster color you know, and, and, you know, regular listeners will know that the mad husband has opinions. So, you know, it's not just a case of, of me choosing a colour and him going, whatever makes you happy, darling, because he's got opinions about how happy he's allowed to be as well in a space. And I've teamed it with quite stronger colours, with but with sort of dirty, we've got a lot of sort of rusty red 
going on with the pink in this house. You can put it with navy blue. You can put it with dark grey, dark wood. You can you can team it up with quite, if we're going down this gender route, sort of tougher colours and it works really well. So you don't have to do the whole thing in lots of bright shades. I mean, it depends on who you're twi- trying to persuade, but that's how I've got past it in this house. Mm. Yeah, and then, you know, maybe we're of a different generation and maybe younger generations, I think, with the whole gender fluidity. I'm thinking of like the Harry Styles album cover that was in a kind of like Barbie pink. I think maybe we are breaking down these, what I believe, quite ridiculous rules on what feminine colours and masculine colours are. I think we totally are. And I I think we are definitely moving away from the stereotypical masculine feminine. But I think it also comes down to to partly what you want to live with. And and as you say, generationally, it it might be harder to to break down the stereotypical colour boundaries. And it's also what you put it with, isn't it? So, you know, you've you've paired your pinks with lots of chocolates and grounding colours. So they don't really stand out whereas because it's sort of more tonal, isn't it, your colour palette? Well, it almost becomes a neutral at that point. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's warmer than a cream. The way I use pink is as a contrasting colour. So, for example, the magenta pink runner in my hallway really contrasts with the blue. It really pops out. It really shouts. It's a big statement. So you can't, even though we've dedicated a whole episode to one colour, you can't actually use it in isolation. Well, you, <laughs> unless you're Barbie. Unless you're Barbie, in which you can absolutely you know let's not forget i'm moving on from barbie and and that pink which is you know more you than me to the other great summer movie which came out on the 23rd of june or thereabouts and that's the new wes anderson movie asteroid city now he's really well known for his signature pink and green combination so he's used a lot of pink the grand budapest hotel the most famous example and there were loads of hotels you know which were influenced by that and and so many of us in our homes but interestingly his new film asteroid city has moved away from the pinks and greens and it's set in the desert and it's all sort of shades of teal uh, teal blue and terracotta and cream so it's very rich it's very warm but it's much more muted i watched the trailer i thought the color palette obviously all his color palettes are absolutely sublime and yeah it's it's all those sort of desert colors so on trend wears so on trend you know those sort of sandy yellows the terracottas the blushes the peaches the corals but then like he cuts through it with that it's quite a nice clean blue i think like you like teal turquoise sky blue Oh, so nice. I mean, I'm just looking at the trailer and thinking, oh, this will inspire a decorating theme rather than what the film's actually about. I've got no idea what the film's about. I think, interestingly as well, like, he pioneered the pink with the Grand Budapest Hotel. And I think here we're going to see him pioneering the next colour trend that we see coming, which is more orange and earthy and kind of grounding. I was looking up sort of about his colour palettes and I fell deep into some... PhD paper on the colour palettes of Wes Anderson, which went on for pages. But there were a couple of things that that I pulled out from it. And actually, one of the things is he uses yellow for happiness. So his colour palettes are very much signifiers of the mood of the film. Um, And to sort of bring back a little bit to the pink, he uses red 
in a lot of his films and it's often about sadness you know there's red hats when you're mourning a friend in the Darjeeling whatever it's called they go to a funeral in a red car so for him red is a colour of sort of sadness and, and longing the Royal Tenenbaums they wear red tracksuits because they're mourning the death of their mother and then yellow for him is this happy colour so in the fantastic Mr Fox the skies are all sort of suffused with this yellow colour when they're at their happiest so it's quite interesting that he sort of you know the colour psychology behind those colours he's picking up on. Or it's like his own secret colour coding as well, isn't it? His own secret colour code, exactly. So, um, and and you found this piece of writing from Homes and Gardens, which I thought was really interesting because it's in direct disagreement with the the Barbie core. So we've, you know, had people talking about how joyous they find that pink and they want to colour it in everything. Obviously, that's not me. And just to prove that there's Never a wrong answer in interior design. This from Homes and Garden. Colours that feel overtly synthetic or jarring are unlikely to be popular in the current socio-economic climate as they can feel unsettling, particularly in the home, when people want to surround themselves with colours that feel reassuring. Instead, there's a growing fondness for rich, earthy pigments like deep browns, reddish clay tones that are cocooning and intimate and providing cosy hideaways. It's all about grounding earthen tones. <laughs> yes, to the grounding earthen well, tones. Well, I think this also picks up with the chat that we had with the Pinterest Homes guy, Matt Saberi, who talked about burnt orange, didn't he? Love burnt orange. Up nearly 600% uptick on searches for that colour choice for weddings, which was interesting. So he thinks that's going to be coming through on homes next. And I must admit, I am feeling the burnt orange vibes at the moment. I've got my eye on a burnt orange colour palette for my new living room. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because again, I remember writing several years ago that when when this millennium pink colour, which just became blush, faded away, it would deepen and darken to a burnt orange. Mm. And that hasn't quite happened yet, but now it has. And so that again, it colour change is quite slow. And I think absolutely right. For me... Burnt orange makes me feel warm and comfortable. I mean, I am not, I'm not a blue decorator. I don't have any blue in my house. And yet I look at Asteroid City trailer with that burnt orange and that teal blue, which, you know, if you'd said to me before I'd seen the trailer for Asteroid City, I'd have run screaming from the room if you suggest teal. Now I'm looking at it with a burnt orange and a cream and I'm going, oh, complete personality change. I really like it. So we do... We do see things, they look scary to start with, they become more familiar and we get into them. But I mean, I think this just goes to show that you can be either screaming neon barbiecore or you can be grounded burnt orange cocooning. Oh, you've made me feel all lovely. See, I started off feeling all perky and excited and pink and Barbie. And now you feel calm and relaxed and happy, or do you not? You see? (laughs) And that again comes back to what do you need from your house? I need to feel calm and relaxed in my home. I do not need to wake up and leap out of bed and go running around the place like a headless chicken, at least not till I've had my coffee. So if it's all about choosing the right pink for you, I mean, you've got that old adage, you know, if it's in your wardrobe and you wear it, then have it on your walls. And I do have quite a lot of barbecue pink in my wardrobe. I love a bright pink. I've got quite a few bright pink dresses. You've got bright pink tights, yeah. which is a punchy <laughs> move. Plenty of bright pink dresses. I love a bright pink uh, nail. 
I've even got a neon pink nail polish, which I particularly enjoy. For me, if I wear bright pink, it does make me feel powerful, confident. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I absolutely adhere to the decorate like you dress for a starting point. But I don't tend to wear that plaster pink colour. And I wonder, partly... That makes me worry. I look as if I've gone out with no clothes on. (laughs) Because it's the same colour as my skin. But also I feel now with my very white slash grey hair that it's it's sort of fading away. So Yeah, but you see a hot magenta would look great with your hair colour, Kate. No, but I can't. I yes, no, I can't. I have some bright pink lipsticks for the rare occasions when I wear lipstick, but I don't have any clothes in that colour. And yet you know, I do like it around me. I like a soft pink around me, but it's a difficult colour for me to wear. I've got it in my wardrobe and I like to look at it and I like to stroke the cashmere jumper in that colour, but I wear it much less. And I think that's just my age and my skin tones changing, perhaps. Well, it is. A, yeah, exactly. And we, we have to dress for our skin tone, don't we? And actually, I, I probably agree, a peachy pink, I don't know whether that would suit my colouring but a nice sugary punchy pink looks brilliant and I suppose it's the same when you're decorating your home right you've got to look at your home's lighting complexion or look at how I segued there yeah no I like that I'm stealing that (laughs) oh it's gonna be in the next book damn it make sure you just keep thanking me in the end (laughs) you've got to choose colours to suit the complexion of your house so what we're saying here is obviously and I think pink is one of the trickiest colours for this because I think it really reacts to the natural light and I find it apart from white I find picking whites for all colours which I do very rarely off obviously but um, I find white really tricky I find pink really really tricky because if the light's quite cool like north facing if you've got pink with too much blue in it goes very lilac-y and that might not be what you want. Although lilac's quite fashionable, but yes, it might not be what you want. It might not be what you want. And then similarly, if you go for all the lovely chalky pinks that you love, all the ones we're talking about that got more peach and yellow in the background, if you put them in a room, say, south-facing or something with lots of lovely warm sunlight, then that's going to go really corally and peachy. Well, it can go corally and peachy, and for me, I find that a bit yeah a bit sickly Mm. we've spoken about this before when I was trying to find the right shade of pink for my south facing bedroom in the last house and I oh that's right do you remember and I looked at all had about 10 colour samples and I was looking at all these plaster pinks and millennium pinks and warm pinks and they were going on the wall it was like oh my god it was like a sort of peach palace of coralness and it wasn't until I found it was a Mylands colour called Threadneedle which has a certain amount of violet undertone in it And that, in a south-facing room, just was warm and not cold and not too lilac-y. In a north-facing room, then that blue light from the north will pick up on the violet undertones and make that a much cooler pink. So do you have to sort of look for... How do we put it? You have to look for the undertone opposite to what you've got to balance it. So if you if you have a lot of golden south southern light, south facing light, you might want to put a bluer shade in there. If you've got the cool blue light, you might want warmer yellower undertones to to work with your house's complexion. <laughs> do you have a question about how to use color in your own interiors? Don't forget you can send any of your questions, trend related or otherwise, to our monthly style surgery. We really want to hear from you. We do love a voice note but email is fine too help at the great indoors podcast.com 
And before we go, can I just remind you once more about our great Indoors Insiders Club, where you can enjoy ad-free listening, bonus content and first dibs on any ticketed events. And on that note, we've got an exciting, exclusive live webinar scheduled for the 20th of July at 7pm, where you can come and join me and Kate and all our other insiders for a chat all things interior so this is a members only exclusive event and to get in on the action just visit thegreatindoorspodcast.com to sign up but for now a big thank you to our producer sarah cudden of feast collective and thank you so much to you for listening and we'll see you in the great indoors ah mm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.